Welcome to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning, Texas. Good morning, United States. And good morning, the world. How is everybody doing? I'm going to tell you how's everybody doing. We're all doing fine because we're going to make sure that we're doing fine. Today is going to be a great day because we are going to make it a great day. We are going to be friendly with everybody. We're not going to hate on anybody. We're going to love on folks. Anyway, let's talk to our two geniuses in the control room at KPFT 90.1 FM. We were just back here hating on each other. No, don't do that. Bring in, bring on the hate. (laughs) <laughs> we don't we don't want the hate. We don't want the hate. But anyway, how's it going out there, guys? Well, so far, so good. We got some wisdom from Jack this morning. He was uh, writing a novel, I think. So let's have some let's have some Jack wisdom. wisdom uh, this, is is. No hate, this is a no hate zone here. Uh, you know, first off, I want to I want to congratulate and thank all the listener contributors we went a little over our goal, and that's very good, and we're very proud and pleased to be here for you. Amen. Okay. So, you know, this is about old mother. You know, we've been taxing old mother earth pretty hard the last 200 years or so. We need to think about our mother. It's the only one we have. Turn off lights, conserve, renewables, recycling, consolidate your trips, ride a bike, and don't live so large. Love your mother. I love that. I love that we could hear that every single day. Thank you for that, Brother Senor Jack. Thank you for that. Anyway, folks, we are going to have a great show. I have a fairly long interview for you today. Uh, but before, I just want to speak a little bit about, uh, you know, I, I kind of kid around starting out with uh, we, we need to love on each other. And I means that I, I to the person who sent an email, I won't call any names that's talked about, you know, maybe throwing me off the air because I speak not well about Donald Trump or I, I want to say one thing. I would love you and I would love you to call in and talk. You know why? Because I tell you what. First of all, let me let me just say this: uh, any kind of threats or whatever that people uh, give on to a host for telling the truth is uncalled for. And the truth of the matter, as far as I'm concerned, I genuinely don't care, and it really has zero effects on me. Whether you were to convince somebody to throw me off the air or whatever, it really doesn't matter. The reality is I come onto the air to tell the truth and entertain people, have uh, have fun, make sure we have food for thought. It's important that you understand that. I have a barrel of hate mail. uh, And if if you can take a look at my website where I've posted a lot of them. So, I mean, it's not anything new. It's not anything frightful. It's not anything that will change me from telling the truth. Now. If you think I am untruthful on something, I've given you many ways to contact me and say, hey, here is the proof that what you're saying isn't true. I mean, that is how you resolve issues. You don't resolve issues with threats or with misinformation, etc. I am open, always want to hear from the people who listen. Not only that, I want to hear from the people who want to move us forward as a country. 
but please don't sit back and think that somehow you will have an effect on on me. I love folks, so I have no issues about my interrelation with people. That's not who I am as a host and as a person, as an individual. So please, um, if you have a beef, you can speak to me directly or you can call in and speak to me on air civilly. However, because that is how we communicate. You talk, I listen, I talk, you listen. It's called, it's called humanity, learning how to speak to each other as we're human beings, irrespective of, you know, whether we agree or disagree. I just needed to get that out there. Uh, I, 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 started, I was going to deconstruct the whole issue because I always think having these kinds of conversations can help us as a society learn how to converse among each other instead of what the plutocracy, the people in control are trying to do as far as keeping us at each other's throats. It is designed to keep at each other's throats. And for the person that sends some of uh, this type of email, there's no reason for me not to like you. I don't know you. So, I mean, uh, this, this thing that the system has people hating each other who don't even know each other, it's by design. And when we learn that, Things will get a lot better. Anyhow, let me go ahead and start the first interview because uh, it's a it's a it's a bit long, and I want to get I want to hear what this great woman has to say. So here we go. Check it out. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here with us today. Today we're honored to have Cheryl Conti. She's a chief executive officer at the Impact Seat Foundation which is working to create a world in which women can succeed as business leaders. She is the, she's also the award-winning founder and chair of Do Big Things, a digital agency that creates new narrative and new technology, new tech for a new era focused on causes and campaigns. Cheryl is the Amazon best-selling author of Mechanical Bull, How You Can Achieve Startup Success. If I continue to read her bio, I wouldn't bore you, but that's all we would talk about her bio. So let's just have her in the flesh talk about it. Cheryl, welcome to Politics Unright. How are you doing today? Uh, it's an honor to be with you, Egberto, and your audience. Absolutely. It was great. It was great hearing all about you at Netroots. Uh, you had your panel that you did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, first of all, tell us first, why did you go to Netroots? What was your purpose? What did you intend to get out of Netroots? Well, I've been to every Netroots Nation since the first one, since before it was even called Netroots Nation. Uh, the first what one was, was it called again in the old days? Called Yearly Coast. Yearly Coast, absolutely <laughs> right, so, right. yes. I didn't know you're a Daily Coast uh, contributor uh, and editor, um, so I know you know all about that. So, yeah, I've been a part of the progressive movement, you know, for all of, you know, for the last uh, 20 years. Um, you know, the I think this was our 18th, 17th or 18th year. Yeah. I am the board chair. I'm not sure how that happened, how I got chosen to do that. But, uh, you know, what do you mean you don't know how that happened? Come on, you know, <laughs> qualifications, man. Don't say that. <laughs> I suppose. 
So, you know, I suppose maybe the cream rises to the top or something like that. But, you know, it's been really, an, you know, a privilege uh, to be part of bringing uh, the progressive movement together. As you know, it's it's a very diverse movement. You know, there's often, you know, a lot of infighting sometimes, some internal conflict. And I think, you know, one of the things that Netroots Nation has been successful in doing is, you know, putting, trying to have that conflict or, you know, that constructive dialogue be positive, right. As opposed to, and, and something that, you know, builds on something rather than tears something apart. So, you know, it's the largest progressive gathering of activists, influencers, creators like yourself, uh, uh, members of Congress, uh, elected officials from all over the nation, candidates, media, you name it, uh, nonprofit heads. Uh, you know, it's a really, really rich, you know, there's no one you're sitting next to who isn't a really interesting person. Mm -hmm. And this was our biggest year. You know, our biggest year was 2019. Uh, mm -hmm. We had over 3000 people, I think maybe 3,500 people. Uh, I think we came pretty close to that this year. So we, you know, we're back and, and, you know, getting as big as ever. That said, you know, during, uh, you know, the the heart of COVID time, you know, in uh, what was it, 2020, uh, we had uh, every night, you know, we were virtual uh, every night for the keynote. We had half a million people um, tuning in. So, you know, the the movement is is really out there, uh, whether they're in person or not. Well, you know, I, I was going to talk to you a lot about what you're doing outside of Netroots. I, I, you know, but again, uh, as you started speaking about Netroots, it was like, well, let's let's put a little bit into this as well, because, I mean, um, it is the largest progressive uh, or build up. I mean, largest progressive conference in the country, bar none. And also, I think we get we get a better flavor than most. I participate in many other, other progressive uh, groups. And it's the one where it at least tries to mimic or look like what America looks like. And I know that a lot of this has to, this, a lot of this has been intentional. It didn't happen by happenstance because there's a whole lot, a lot of reasons why certain demographics can participate in three or four days that we spend out there in, whether it be Chicago, I think the next one is going to be in uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. Baltimore yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, it's, it's not easy and it's expensive as well. Yes. Uh, and that's something that early on, you know, I think people flagged that, look, it's, it's problematic that, you know, we have a board, you know, that isn't, very diverse. It doesn't look like, you know, the movement itself or America uh, itself, uh, you know, the speakers, you know, don't look, you know, there's a, you know, there's, there's something the matter here. Right. And, and what is it? And right. Cost, you know, was part of it. We have uh, a really big scholarship program where sponsors uh, help to bring, uh, you know, amazing, uh, often younger activists who have, you know, less in their pockets, but a lot in their hearts uh, to Netroots Nation. Uh, we also really look hard at uh, the applications we get. I mean, tens of thousands of applications of, you know, people looking to uh, speak at Netroots Nation every year. It's a big mm -hmm. job to go through them all. But one of the things, you know, we started doing long ago um, was requiring that, you know, your panel be diverse. You know, you can't submit a panel 
that's all white people. You can't submit a panel that's all, you know, dudes. Like we're not, we're not going to approve that. Like try harder. Okay. To find a different perspective, you know, because that diversity is what we have found is actually going to make that panel uh, a lot richer and more interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and it's amazing how well it's done because, um, as it turns out, right. I, I, you know, we've been attending from the beginning and it looks a lot different than it used to look, um, between you and me. Sometimes I have even said, is that a little bit overboard? (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. But look, you know, better, especially in these times, you know, I think that Netroots Nation is providing a roadmap and some leadership, right? And yes, you know, maybe you don't have to, you know, go as far, you know, as we do, but, you know, we're in part trying to be an example of what's really possible if, uh, if you make the effort. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, and, and it's, it, it's definitely so I've, I've been talking about this for years. In fact, I've written a couple of articles on daily coast where I mentioned, I don't remember if you remember what happened that with BLM in, in uh, Arizona, et cetera, I had a quite a bit of stories that had to be written about the, 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 the progressives in the room and, and the reactions and that sort of stuff. But ultimately speaking, we always work these scenarios out, which, which, which speaks well for what a progressive movement is supposed to be. Now, like I said before, I, you know, and I didn't want to concentrate on Netroots Nation because your story uh, outside of this progressive, that this progressive organization that you cheer is so more, so it's much more vast. And I think it's uh, much more impactful on the things that you are, uh, that you're actually working on. So why don't you tell me a little bit about, uh, your, your group, the, um, uh, the impact seat foundation, tell me a little bit about that. And also I want to hear a little bit attentive.ly. Sure. Well, I would say my work with uh, the Impact Seat Foundation actually comes, it's born out of the work uh, with Attentively. So, you know, my career uh, for a very long time now has been at the crossroads of politics and technology to super boring, like very slow. Not for me, but for, you know, I, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm a kidding. nerd. <laughs> I'm, I'm being, I am being facetious. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, it is a, a crazy place to be at the center of, you know, given that, you know, the rapid social and technical innovation, you know, both of those spaces, uh, you know, have Mm -hmm. been experiencing, Uh, but exciting. It's never dull. Uh, So, you know, one of uh, my projects was creating a startup called Attentively. You know, and Attentively uh, was a platform software as a service that was uh, about um, influencer engagement, social listening and marketing automation. Uh, We were actually starting uh, before we got acquired to look at AI actually in machine learning. So uh, that was acquired in July 2016, um, and it is the first tech startup with a Black female founder on board to be acquired by a NASDAQ company, um, which is a big deal. It it was an impact startup that was uh, purchased and acquired by an impact corporation. Uh, BlackBot is one of the leading uh, purveyors of of nonprofit-focused software uh, around the world. Uh, So we were really excited about that. At the same time, you know, because I was unique, uh, you know, in in the startup world, uh, 
there's been this gravitational pull to a certain extent from the world of, you know, progressive politics and digital activism into a, a different form of activism uh, on the side of entrepreneurship. Uh, you probably a lot of your listeners may or may not know that uh, black women specifically are launching businesses in America at the highest rate of mm. any demographic in America, including white men. And yet they are grotesquely undercapitalized, which hurts everyone. I mean, that, you know, it there's something like, you know, 15 trillion dollars of uh of GDP that we would have if we actually invested in people of color, you know, at the rate that they're starting businesses uh, at, at an equivalent rate to, uh, you know, white people. Now, what do you see as the solution to that? Because I, I have some issues with um, who capitalizes companies. You know, we have um, for existence, the, the black bank that, that in, in Atlanta, I can't recall the name of it right now, that, what it has is a black face, but um, it's really not a black bank. If you take a look at all the capitalization of the bank, et cetera, you know, the, the guys who are the face of the bank doesn't have the power. Unlike you, who uh, in, in, in the things that you are putting together, you make sure that you that your voice is the one that matters. So, I mean, I am I, always a, I always have a double take on capitalization. Do you think there are alternative methods than going into, let's say, some of these capital markets? Are there other sources that we can really have true true independence that we can think of in the progressive space, in the progressive space, but not only that, but with, you know, people of color, et cetera. Sure. I mean, some folks have uh, found, you know, foundation sponsorship, uh, you know, for their software products or, you know, like change.org, Ben Rattray, the founder mm -hmm. is an old friend oh, yeah. of mine. And, you know, he has found some really creative, uh, innovative ways uh, to, you know, fund his company, including, um, you know, from nonprofit sources. Is it possible to do a co-op? Sure. But, you know, I think that, you know, the, the world in which I've entered a venture capital capital is there's there's a nascent uh, but fast growing movement of people who are saying, look, you know, people of color need to become investors. Right. People of color need to be funded. Their startups need to be funded. Uh, and, you know, the current market is not actually is 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 not efficient. There's a there's a market distortion happening called racism and sexism that, you know, in, logically speaking, you know, if black women are launching most of the companies, they should be getting most of the investment. End of story. That's not what's happening. You scare me. I'm sorry. You scare me completely uh because did you get is your degree in business administration as taught in the colleges and universities in the united states it sure is uh my uh degree from yale is my ba is uh ethics politics and economics uh, uh -huh. but i also uh worked uh at the help desk you know i had to have a job i was required at the time to have a job in addition to school uh, by my scholarship and i uh you know learned a lot about technology and so you know that career at the crossroads of those two uh you know um, initiatives happened uh, even then, let me tell you why I'm asking you this, because it, there's a specific reason I'm asking you this, because you just encapsulated in one sentence uh, that the, you talk about market distortion, which is exactly true. We always talk about the free markets and all these great issues. 
but the market ain't all that free. If it, it, it supposedly, it's supposed to navigate itself to where things are happening. But somehow you made the statement that black women are the ones forming the most businesses right now, but somehow the capital isn't gravitating towards that. And in a true free market-based capitalist structure, one would imagine that the dollars would follow where the innovation is. Right. And, you know, I have this conversation with, you know, tech bros here in Silicon Valley all the time where I say, look, you know, if you, you know, if your argument is you are trying to make the most money and try and trying to get your shareholders the best return on investment, all of the studies show that diverse led firms are more innovative. They are more productive. They are more profitable. When they exit, they tend to exit at higher multiples and they are more capital efficient because they have to be. So if your argument is, you know, I need to invest, right? This, These aren't concessionary investments. In fact, you know, you're missing out on getting the highest return on investment because you're not investing in the right people. I am glad you said that these are not concessioners. You're not doing anybody any favors. You're doing exactly what the fiduciary responsibility of somebody governing a, a whatever, a stock, uh, a venture capital company is supposed to do. And the only drawback from that, as you stated there, is because you're not following the formula. You're bringing in other externalities to stop the progress and racism being one of them, sexism exactly. being another. Exactly. So that's that's our argument is, look, you know, yes, you know, capitalism, you know, isn't sufficient. And, you know, almost every, uh, you know, Western uh, Western country has some combination of capitalism, socialism and democracy. How much of those what ratio (laughs) those exist varies from country to country. But everyone has, you know, some combo of that. You know, and I think right now there is a lot of tension in our country in saying, look, you know, a capitalism ain't that capital, is it? You know, only for some, Mm -hmm. you know, and B, you know, there's a lot of social needs that aren't being met, you know, and then finally, democracy. Do we believe in it or not? You know, are we going to increase democracy in America? Are we going to let it prosper or are we going to go in a different direction and have a a tyrant or a king? Is that what we really want? Because there's there are people who want a king who explicitly want women to not vote and want and think that America needs to be a king. There are people on the far right who believe that. Hey, Cheryl, you know, I'm glad that we're having this conversation because, I mean, uh, I, I think I think the audience is going to get uh, I, I speak a lot about capitalism, socialism and, and interaction thereof. And I think a lot of people need to hear uh, your perspective uh, on this. I think it's been very, very important. So tell me what ultimately uh, what are your organizations going to be doing to make things better to to improve on this? Sure. Well, you know, I'm so lucky to have an amazing co-founder uh, in Barbara Clark uh, at the Impact Seat Foundation uh, quietly. She is perhaps the uh, one of the leading uh, individual investors in women led tech startups in America. So, you know, I'm working with an economist, you know, and and businesswoman who has a lot of experience, a lot to share. Uh, you know, so we're doing it through impact investing, uh, through uh, advocacy and through grant making to folks who are supporting the notion that, you know, capital needs to flow to the people who are actually building the businesses. Now, what would you have liked me to ask you 
that I didn't? Sure. Well, two things. You know, I have another organization uh, besides Netroots Nation uh, and uh, the Impact Seat Foundation. It's called Do Big Things. Uh, we're a digital agency that works with progressive causes and candidates. And, you know, we're starting to get geared up for 2024. Uh, you know, the the race has already started. The debate uh, was last night and you didn't ask me if I watched it and what I thought about it. Well, I, I tell you what. I'm going to ask uh, here. Here's the thing. I am so disappointed that I'm, I'm a naturalized American citizen. I came here with big eyes thinking of great things about America. And for all practical purposes, it turned out to be that way. I mean, I, I you know, I did very well in America, been able to form companies, all that. It, it's been great. But to see where it has de- what it has degenerated into being now is a cause for concern. Why didn't why didn't I ask you about the um, Republican debate? Because to put it bluntly, it was embarrassing. But I'm going to ask you because you requested. What do you think about the Republican debate? Sure. Well, you know, I think it is an example of of the things that you just mentioned in that, uh, you know, there are exciting things that are happening in our country and there are people who want to drag us backwards, um, Mm -hmm. you know, who are very threatened by the idea of a multicultural, multigender, you know, uh, equitable nation. You know, they want to preserve their privileges and, uh, you know, there, there's a real conflict here. Um, and you know, that was visible last night in a bunch of candidates who, spouted incredibly, like deeply unpopular positions. Um, You know, I don't understand how, you know, they plan to get elected. I mean, Vivek Ramaswamy, you know, said things like, you know, there are two genders. Fossil fuels are are a requirement for human prosperity. Really? I don't know that that's true, actually. (laughs) You know, there are some European countries that are almost entirely uh, powered by non- fossil fuels. So like, and it's clear that those aren't the future. We're going to run out of oil eventually. I mean, that's all, that's why people want to do fracking and offshore drilling is, you know, because we're starting to run out of oil. Uh, It's also pretty dirty and expensive. So uh, yeah, it was very strange to hear, you know, people so anti-abortion, even though the moderator said, look, this is a losing issue for Mm -hmm. For us, why are we doing it? Uh, you know, and all of them, you know, had these very extreme positions. So, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about the, the potential of where America can go and some of the things that are happening. Uh, you know, and yet we have to, you know, this is a time where we have to stand up, you know, for you know the notion that diversity is a good thing, that equity is a good thing, that inclusion is a good thing. What kind of person says that inclusion is wrong? I mean, let's I mean, let's just like take a step back and think about like, really, you want to exclude people. That's well, that's your position. You know, um, on two sides of the equations, you are doing important work. Um, one is the education side with net roots where it's educating the masses. And the other is where you're actually taking it from the back end, building, building businesses to make building businesses, what makes the system when it comes to what these guys believe on as unpopular as they are, because we are not a real democracy. They still have a lot of weight Two senators per state are uh, gerrymandering. There's so much undemocratic in this system that still gives, uh, even if it's just a 40% group of folk that believe this kind of stuff, 
enough to win elections. And that's always going to be our concern. Yeah, it's a, it is a real challenge. I mean, the, you know, if those students of American history will understand that, you know, a bunch of rich white guys built the system that way. They built it because democracy was an experiment at the time, at least, you know, in that in that era. And they were worried, you know, how, how democratic should this be? Right. Do we do we need some, you know, valves, you know, some switches we can, you know, toddle in case, you know, democracy is not working out. Right. And how do we weight power? Uh, you know, look, I it won't it wouldn't surprise me if in our lifetime, you know, this particular experiment of, you know, America starts to fall apart. There are there are states that want to do very, very different things. And have you know very different beliefs and structures. That said, you know Justin Jones of the Tennessee Three. I don't know yes. if you met him. Oh, I, I went to each one of his. I went to his panel and his keynote. Yeah, yeah. He that dude has a future. Okay, he's yes. one to watch. But one of the things that he has been stressing is, look, you know, something like sixty to seventy percent of the uh, seats in the state legislature of Tennessee have gone uncontested. Mm-hmm. Uncontested. So that's a Democratic Party's problem, right? Like, are they really serious about, you know, defending American democracy if they're just going to, you know, not actually run candidates again in a place they would probably win at this point on the right, you know, with the right message, right on the right issues. So uh, there's a lot of work to do. Um, but well, you sure. know, I, Let, go ahead. I know I, I, I need to say this because you nailed it. You know, the Democratic, I I want to say this as kindly as I can. Uh, There is a certain middle ground here on both sides of the spectrum, on the right and the left, that loves the status quo. It's, It's in the Republican Party and it's in the Democratic Party. And the reality is neither one wants too much democracy because too much democracy will bring a sort of equity they're not willing to accept. And, yeah. and, and the only ones that can push that out are, again, groups like what we do at Netroots and progressive groups that are ringing the bells all of the times. We are pretty much alone, but we have to get the job done and bring folks along. I always talk about if, if the masses really knew what we represented, uh, there wouldn't be a contest. Uh, it would be landslides all over for the policies we support. We have to get better, in my opinion. And I think that's where you're doing a great job in leading uh, Netroots. You're doing a great job in having these organizations. You don't hear. I mean, uh, this is the first time I've heard that the majority of businesses are being created here and somehow capital is not chasing it. You are capable of speaking on business term, capital terms and on grassroots term, which is what we need. Cheryl, you're the author of a book that I think just about everybody needs to get. What's the name of the book again? Uh, it's called Mechanical Bull, How You Can Achieve Startup Success. And it uh, comes out of my work, not only with Attentively, you know, a, a startup that uh, I founded that had a successful exit, but I've actually been part of uh, a number of other exits uh, since then. So, you know, look, as a successful entrepreneur, you know, my company sold in July, 2016, my son Colm was born in August, 2016. And I like to joke that, uh, you know, I've got 
something like a 20 year runway and no exit strategy yet. So it's a, it's a joke that plays well here in Silicon Valley. Let's put it that way. But look, you know, I was holding my three week old baby, you know, and a friend came over to visit and she said, look, Cheryl, 17 Americans have been to the moon. No American has done what you have done. You are the first black woman you know, to whose startup has been acquired by a NASDAQ company, you have an obligation to help open the door to others. And so that's why I wrote the book, you know, and I, I it has a little bit of my personal story, but it has a lot of quotes from friends of mine who are innovators. You know, they are funders, they're investors, entrepreneurs. Uh, it follows the uh the life cycle uh, of a startup. A lot of people don't know that there's a, lo- a, a life cycle. It's funny. You know, I try to have a lot of jokes in there to, you know, uh, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. But there's a lot of practical information. If you want, if you are an aspiring entrepreneur or you have a business and you want to grow it, you want it to scale, you know, this is the book for you that's going to give you, you know, all of the, you know, the hard won <laughs> insights of how to get through. Uh, you know, that I have to offer. And so do my friends. And you can find the link for the book in the blog that's going to accompany this uh, particular video. Earlier I asked you, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? And you came up with one. Is there anything (laughs) else before we close this down? Uh, no, you know, it's such a privilege to get to talk to you. Your story, uh, you know, and your work is, is so inspirational. Uh, you know, I know the folks who, you know, choose to tune in, you know, to your words and to your guests are pretty smart people, you know, who care about what's going to happen in this country. And we all have a role to play, you know, at this point, every single American has a role to play in what the future is going to look like. And you're right. Most people, most Americans, even conservatives actually are on the same page of what needs to happen. And almost all of those are progressive standpoints. So, you know, how do we get there, right? How do we actually come together as a nation, you know, rather than, or, you know, does the West coast just become its own country? Cheryl Conti, Chief Executive Officer at the Impact Seat Foundation, among other great jobs. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you for having me, Egberto. Cheryl Conti, she's a very impressive woman. And like she said, uh, you know, her, 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 her company actually got bought up by a Nasdaq company. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, and bring folks into the fold, the conversation. Harry is the first caller, but remember to go to seven, call 713-526-5738, hit extension number two, and you will be on air immediately. 713-526-5738. This is your program. Don't forget that. Come on in, Brother Harry. Talk to me. Good morning, Nicole. Birthday, man. Roberto. I'm glad you put that out there. We're not going to let people like that hater get you down. You're very inspirational. You're very edifying. And I'm glad you had that interview with Cheryl Conti. You need more diverse people like that and her book to inspire black women and other women for startups to uh, have the education to make this a better world. And um, we're not going to let a hater like that try to get you down. We need your show as we need Steve Hunter's show. We need And as you stated there, we have to keep uh, talking to each other to inspire one another. You're edifying and learning. And I'm also glad when I listened to your show yesterday morning, when, uh, and you didn't take calls yesterday morning, but you put that out there when you talked about you had a caller 
about black men voting and being uh, and was very concerned about. You were talking about me, and I really appreciate that that you get you get that out there. And I sent you an email uh, a few days ago. I, I enjoy your uh, interviews you've had with Professor Richard Wolf. That's what the email was about. I don't know if you got to uh, read it yet. I, I haven't seen that email yet, Harry. I, I, but let me just tell you, my he- email box is a mess that I I need to get a, <laughs> a, a, some better software to kind of help me out with it. But um, yeah, I, I I'm going to get Richard Wolf again, by the way, because he has some new stuff that I want to talk to him about. So I will be. I I, I haven't gotten your email, but I, if, if what you're saying is we need to talk to him, you're right. Right. And uh, I also sent Howard an email yesterday for about more smooth jazz music he can put on wait harry are you going to mess with with the with our master dj el senor howard who only plays a little bit of music before my show but not the rest of the day you gonna mess with his stuff man <laughs> I, I like his i like his stuff but i'd like to hear some of the stuff that i requested that, that he's that he's played for me and i put a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> when he gets a chance he can do it but you, we're not going to let this get us down, Iberto. You're an inspirational person. You're a very learned person. I like what you said the other day when you talked about learning is a good thing. And we're not going to let those people that hate on you because you speak your mind and you tell the truth about people like Donald Trump who are haters and who are trying to divide us. And we just don't need that. As I told Steve Hunter the other day when I was talking to him, we don't need that kind of thing. I was talking to him about the debate. Yeah. And uh, 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 a couple of things that Nikki Haley said, we yeah. and, and about Israel and, and how they compact uh, apartheid against Palestinians. Yeah, Harry. I, I want to. I'm interrupting you to say something here, right? Because I want the audience to hear this, right? I don't, you know, on the people that disagree with us. First of all, I am strong in the belief that um, that progressive values are the things that uh, that that work best. But I want to take it further than that. That isn't a blind belief that I want progressive values, and people should. When we ask people what they want, what they would like in their lives. When you don't attach progressive or conservative or right wing and left wing to it, when you ask people, and we have this strong polling on this, and we've done a lot of these experiments at Netroots with these different things that we've done. Most people want the values and the policies that progressives want. And even those who don't want it, they want some form of it. I'm saying six, seven, eight, 80% of people want straight out progressive policies when you ask them without giving it a label. But when you go ahead and uh, ask further for the ones who don't want it, you see many of the things that they want fall in line. So um, my thing is this, it's many of the ways that uh, the, the, the uh, you hear me speak about the Powell memo and how the Powell memo has worked on people's minds through churches, s- schools, and the news media. That's why I, in my honest view, and in, in, in learning from everybody else, I hate on no person on the politicians, yes, I on the corporatocracy, yes, all of that, yes. But on the average person, I understand the impact external influences have on people's minds. So where I have the ability to tell folks, let's, we have to get across that. That's where I'm at. But Harry, I got Johnny on the other line. Tell, close it up real quickly for me, I sir. Get everybody, 
what you're saying is we have to get everybody's viewpoint, and the and you gotta enlighten those who who hate on people who are marginalized nation of people. You're progressive, I'm progressive, and that's very important. But those uh, haters, those conservatives, they just uh, unfortunately are in their own world and. They want things uh, to continue to the. the uh, they don't uh, for, uh, of, of their viewpoint. Thank you, they, 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 they Harry. Brother, so thank we'll you very much. We'll talk. Okay, keep calling and keep. Keep Jesus Christ is uh, thinking. Thank you, my brother. You have a great day. Uh, let's go to Johnny. But before Johnny speak, I want to remind folks, give us a call, 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. The lines are open. Hit number two to call in. And I, beforehand, I, I forgot. Uh, Jack did it, but I didn't. Thank you all for a successful fund drive we made a little bit more than we uh than we uh that than we sele we selected and uh, it is great to know that you see the value in what we do and before johnny one other thing eric says on the chat most are not with your thoughts and you thinking that your thoughts are the only ones is more than wrong it is just your opinion making someone else think a certain way is wrong eric that's why I ask you to listen. Uh, saying that most people are progressives is not me saying. It is the people saying. When we ask people in polls after polls after polls the policies that they want, when we, when we go ahead and analyze the policies that they want, they are progressives. That's a statement of fact, not conjecture, that you are a true conservatives who only believe what you believe. You represent less than 20% of the American population. You have a right to your beliefs, but you are in the minority. When we take away the labels or the instantiation from what the plutocracy has done to the minds of many, that is what the results say, sir. Johnny, come on in, sir. Uh, you have a great mind because I was just about to thank our fellow time travelers for their support of uh, KPFT in this most recent fun drive. So I second that emotion. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, we have, let me tell you, we have great listeners. I was, as I was talking to uh, Miss Conti, uh, Cheryl Conti, I told her that, you know, the audience that she was going to be speaking to is a powerful audience. It's not the largest audience, but it's a powerful audience that when they listen to impactful information, they make a difference. And I say that not, uh, not just for the sake of saying it. I've seen it in action and I've seen how people, uh, most people are willing to and want to move forward. Go ahead, my brother, Johnny, the mayor of politics done right. I, I, I'd rather be Johnny Carson. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Uh, they always tell us that you want to, uh, you need to be the change you want to see. And I think uh, you, you live up to that. Here's what I like about Netroots. One of, one of the many things I like is I know when I go to my emails and I click on the Netroots uh, line and it comes up on my screen, they have, a, they have a very distinctive look that reminds me. It's a visual reminder. Oh, yeah, those are the people who I really like because they are very specific. When they send me emails, they have very specific uh, 
asks or demands in their uh, when they ask you to join up and sign one of their petitions, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they they don't they don't mince words. I like that. They're very direct in in the in the style that I speak when I speak to politicians when I call them up and talk to their staff. That's what I, one of the many things I love about Netroots. The other thing is they give you opportunities to get physically involved in the real world. IRL, as the younger people like to say, it's not just virtual. It's not just uh, contributing money right. and donating houses or, or signing petitions. It's way more than that. That's the other thing I like about them. So they're very clever, very uh, smart about how they need to market themselves. Now, Johnny... Um, I want you to know that the person that I just interviewed is the CEO of Netroots Nation. Right, I got that. Okay. I didn't. I thought Netroots was a, a, a older guy. I don't know where I got that. From. <laughs> I hear you, brother. I hear you. I hear. But it, anyway, Johnny, uh, wrap it up for me so I can get to Brian and then to the next caller as well, because I want to get the calls in. Anything else, my mayor? Yeah. Yes, sir. Brian's going to love this. I would suggest that the next thing we need to do, I think it's time past for us to do, is coalition in terms of monies. So we know that every time there's a, a call for people to show up at a protest or, or going to City Hall or the state mm-hmm. capitol or whatever, way more people would show up if they could. And they yes. do that because they have a soft economy that deters people from participating because they don't have the funds they need. They may have the time, but they don't oh, have the Oh, man. Funds. Johnny, 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 I just want to say you nailed it there, okay? And that's an important concept. And if you heard what Cheryl said, what how how we have changed net roots. There was a time that net roots wasn't representative exactly for the reason you just stated there. And what we did is we created scholarships and all these other things so that we could get attendance from even those who couldn't but i gotta let you go my dear brother mayor and go to uh to brian okay you did say that i missed that okay yeah well i I don't listen as as well as i like to uh, don't worry about it brian i mean i mean johnny you know you you're in you're in in what we in saint panama estas en la ola hermano estas en la ola anyway i'll talk to you later johnny thank you so kindly for calling in let's go to brother uh brian brian how you doing my brother Fine. How are you? I am doing fine, sir. Talk to me. Okay. Uh, do you know the boxer Jack Johnson? He was a uh, early 1900s. Uh, he was convicted of marrying a white woman. And yes, I remember that. Up. Yes, I remember that story. Yes, yeah. sir. Wasn't he from Galveston, actually? Yes, he was from Galveston, Texas. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. that story. Uh, yes, who sir. Pardoned who pardoned him? I don't know. Who pardoned him? Donald Trump. Okay. Donald Trump. Okay. Okay. There was also a woman that had been convicted three times. Mm-hmm. She said she was sent to prison for like 12 years for a joint. Oh, yes. I remember that. And Donald Trump pardoned her as well. Yes. Yeah. Trump pardoned her also. Yeah. Okay. Who's the president that moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? Donald Trump. I think that was a wrong move, but yeah, he did that. Yeah. It was a wrong move? No. It, I think it was. Put it through Congress. Who put it to Congress? Bush didn't didn't move it after eight years. Obama didn't move it after eight years. I, but I think it was a wrong move, uh, Brian. But I'll tell you about that after. Tell me what else you want to tell me, and then Alex, I'll again, I'll talk. It's your floor. Okay, let's go to immigration. Now we've yes. had a eleven year old girl was strangled and then raped mm-hmm. by an illegal alien. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
Mm-hmm. So far, there's a million undocumented that crossed the border without mm-hmm. seeking asylum. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that got away. Mm-hmm. If just 1% of those million, how many criminals do we have in the United States? Okay. Why would you put that at 1%, though? Why would you put it at 1%, sir? That is do a you, low number. If they no, it's not law. a low. Uh, uh, do, do 1% of Americans, hold on, let me ask you this. Does 1% of Americans commit crimes, really uh, violent crimes in America? Probably more than that, but I put the number pretty low. No, actually, no. Let me just say this, Brian. Um, look, um, first of all, l- l- let me, can I address each of your points now, or do you have something else to say? No, no go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, first of all, Donald Trump, and you would hear this, uh, I've said this before, Donald Trump is a very savvy and smart politician, right? Um, I don't, uh, and, and, and he did something that I, that I always say, I say, don't, don't judge me by what I say, judgment, judge me by what I do. Okay. So uh, and in that case, those were great things that Donald Trump did that Obama himself didn't do that, uh, that Biden didn't do. But you don't look at things on individual uh, natures. You look at them in the aggregate. What are all the other things that have been done? All right. So in other words, Brian, if I want to make a point, right, if I want to to give an illusion of who I am, I can be temporarily nice. I can do temporarily things that goes against the grain. But you show me what I've done over time, over time. And then we can sit down and talk. And what I'm saying is, if you look at the things that Donald Trump has done in the aggregate over time, a constancy of the things that he actually does, as opposed to these instances that you justifiably pointed out, Brian, it's not, it's, I I don't take back anything when I call the man a racist, when I call the guy a homophobe, when I call the guy a sexist, all those things over his lifetime, I think has been proven. Now you may disagree and that's fine. But I'm saying, if you itemize the things that this guy has done, it's great that he re- he pardoned Johnson. It's great that he pardoned the woman with the joint. I applaud him for that. Not only that, it's great. He did more than that. He also uh, changed some of the rules uh, for incarceration and that sort of, I don't recall what exactly he did. He did that. Great that he did that. But I'm looking at the man as a whole. Now, when you uh, when it comes to immigration, when you speak about the amount of people that got released, there is this false belief that immigrants are uh, are, are crime ridden. Immigrants try to hide in the aggregate, not not the few the few psychopaths out there, but they don't want to have anything to do with the the the, the law. They hide. They don't want to do illegal voting because they don't want to be caught. They want to be here getting getting by. It's false to believe that somehow there's a wave of criminality coming over, uh, coming over the border more so than there's a wave of criminality that leaves our border. I would wager that we as a country, the, the, a lot of the people that we send out, including corporations that we send out to the rest of the world, are doing much more harm, I said, in the aggregate than those immigrants coming south of the border. But sitting down and talking about that when there's a Fox News or a Newsmax or a all these stations demonizing people and, and, and in a lot of ways having an effect on you as well, sir, in my opinion, that is, I think that's the reason we have issues. We need immigrants so badly. 
right now, so badly. And I think it's time for us to sit back, get away from the rhetoric, and really talk about what's real, Brian. But anyway, you're, I've spoken enough. What else do you have to tell me? I don't understand how you think we need immigrants. You and don't? First off, they do break law. First off, they do break the law when they originally come over without the proper paperwork. Okay, great. Stop right there, Brian. Uh, wait, wait. I, okay, you want to be strict. You want to be strict on they broke the law. They found a way to get over here. My my thing is, if you find a way and you were able to get in here, I'm not going to throw you back. It tells me that you're an ingenious. You're as ingenious as the pilgrims who came over here and took land that wasn't their own. Okay. Remember that whenever you, whenever we want to jump on our high horse about how bad those damn immigrants are, remember when the original settlers came here, they did much worse. I mean, we should be humble at least. We should at least have the dignity of humility. Go ahead, sir. Like the Spaniards taking the Mayans? It's all all of that. Look, Brian, Brian. Brian, all, all of that is true. I'm just saying, Brian, humility is a very important thing. We, I got to drive. I'll talk to you. All right. Have a good one, brother. All right. Let's go ahead and jump to tag. Come on in, tag. Good morning, Alberto. Good morning, sir. You're, You're on. Interview this morning. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Your interview this morning made me think of this which I think you'll find interesting. Um, you know, our uh, access to hydrocarbons and oil someday will run out, but wind and solar will never go away. And, and for, for my money, I think it's better that we head towards wind and solar use than continue to depend on hydrocarbons. So that was my Friday food for thought. And your your Friday food for thought is spot on because, again, in our life, well, it's going to run out someday. The sun is going to burn up someday, but in billions of years. But when it comes to uh, the, the, for our lifetime and the lifetime of millions of generations to come, you're absolutely right. And it makes sense then to invest in all those technologies. For those who say, but it, you don't get energy when wind is blowing and you don't get energy when the sun isn't shining, you're right. And that's why you build technology called back in store to make sure that you accumulate while you can so that in the times that you don't you have it so i am with you completely tag and i need to jump to augie we're running out of a little bit of time here so anything else real quick that i that you need to say before i jump to tag i mean to to augie just thank you and carry on my friend thank you my brother you have a wonderful rest of your day let's come on in augie come on in sir good morning well i was just thinking about the immigrant thing that this uh caller Mm-hmm. You know, they said the same thing about the Irish and the Italians, mm-hmm. the Eastern Europeans when they came in. And like you said, the colonists when they came in, uh, the thing to save them, uh, they were the immigrants. Right. The guys that rock were the immigrants. Exactly. Exactly. Saved them with the Native Americans that showed them how to survive here. Right. And, and nowadays, uh, immigrants are in our military. Hey, Augie. Augie, I know you have a lot to say, but I have two more callers, and I just want everybody to get at least 30 seconds. I just want everybody to get a chance. You're absolutely right. Call me tomorrow again, sir, please. Uh, Come on in, Bobby. Uh, I want to get you. You only have about 30 seconds, Bobby. Tell me what you need to tell me. 
Okay, yeah, I was going to mention about the caller and the immigrants, and you saying that we need immigrants. Yes. Um, being here in Texas, I've, you know, when they shut down the borders, you hear the, you know, a lot of the special, especially people who are growing crops and stuff like that. They, you know, these Texas business owners, they'll they'll tell you, man, we need these immigrants also because, you know, the the hardworking people they come there, they really, you know, basically bust their ass. And, you know, the, the, I've heard several business owners saying if they didn't have, a, you know, an affordable, hardworking labor force, that they wouldn't be able to make it. Well, that that is so that is so true. And what happened as if you go to in Georgia, a lot of peaches were left on the ground. If you go to a lot of different places, these guys were, you know, these guys need the immigrants and they're doing work that many Americans either can't do or won't do. So um, we right. need immigrants and, 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 and right, Americans. Bobby, thank you. I got to go. Like, no, they weren't making it. <laughs> no, Bobby, thank you so kindly for calling in. For the callers that we couldn't get to, please start calling earlier. I had a long interview today. I'll make sure to, uh, it won't be. We have three other uh, videos. Go to politicsunright.com slash newsletter for all the other videos that we're going to show on the show today. But you take precedence and that's what we do. Uh, let's throw it to the studio for Jack and Howard. I'll, I'll defer to Jack. Do you exploit your mother or do you revere and respect your mother? Love your mother. She needs you now more than ever. Mother's cookies. Yay. There you go. Thank you so kindly, folks. Uh, Look, folks, thanks, Howard. Thank you, Jack, for all the work that you do. Thank you to our great audience who've really made uh, our last fun drive a success. I love you guys. You guys make this possible. It is on you. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.